Warning, Weird West Radio contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Abigail. Abigail Walker. My husband was killed. You asked me if I was staying here for revenge or something else. Maybe it's justice. Hello, welcome everyone to Weird West Radio on Rayman Digital, Rayman Digital's exclusive Western show. I am Michael Flores, your host. I am currently riding side saddle on my horse, and next to me on a stagecoach is my co-host, David. Hello. Yeah, I'm planning on actually opening up a laundry mat. Oh, is that, look at you falling right into your... <laughs> right into my role, Right Mike. into the racial stereotypes. Racial <laughs> stereotypes. Oh my god Is that what they did In this show <laughs> That we're about to cover They did Didn't they They did Well I mean It is a It is a valid You know job It's a valid days. job well, well, Hey it's well, better than being On the ra- Working on the railroad I guess That is true <laughs> Don't they say that as well <laughs> Jesus Alright so We are gonna be talking And discuss We're gonna be talking about And discussing Breaking down Reviewing The Walker spinoff titled Walker Independence. Now, if you guys don't know what Walker is, yes, it is Walker, Texas Ranger, the remake. The remake. That airs on the CW, starring Jared Padalecki as Walker. Well, last year, they decided to branch out and expand the franchise to include a Western prequel. And that is Walker Independence, and that is what we're going to be discussing. Now, just to get a little more formal, here's some additional information. Walker Independence is an American action crime drama television series developed by Anna Frick for The CW. It is a prequel to the television series Walker, which also airs on The CW. The series stars Catherine Catherine McNamara in the lead role, along with Matt Barr. And Katie Finlay. 
The series was ordered in May of 2022 for a fall premiere, and it's paired with its parent series on a Thursday night time slot. Yep. The synopsis set in the late 1800s. This origin story follows Abby Walker, an affluent Bostonian whose husband is murdered before her eyes while on their journey out West as she crosses paths with Hoyt, a lovable rogue in search of purpose. I didn't really gather that. (laughs) I didn't gather that either. Abby and Hoyt's journey takes them to independence, Texas, a small town with a big future. Okay, so the pilot gets to work in setting up the story fairly quickly, which is a positive. The teaser, which I'd call the inciting incident of the series, it doesn't waste any time throwing our protagonist, Abby Walker, into peril when a mysterious figure enters their campsite while Abby and her husband are making love and... Murders Abby's husband. Yes. Who was on his way to independence to be sworn in as the sheriff mm-hmm. and then leaves Abby for dead. It was an adequate setup. I will say that that allowed the narrative some breathing room. We are dealing with network television. And with that comes all the restraints of network television. And in this particular point that I'm making running time, you have to allot time for commercials, which typically you lose about 15 minutes worth of screen time. Yes. Because of that. So typically a 60 minute show actually is anywhere between 43 and 45 minutes. So I understand why they immediately moved into the story. I'm talking the murder of Abby's husband starts. I, I want to say within the opening five minutes easily, I which think serves so. as the teaser and inciting incident. As I said, yeah, the downside to this is that the pilot felt primarily plot driven, which doesn't really allow the series showrunner to give us much in the way of characterization. That was one of the biggest problems with this pilot. I didn't feel like there was enough character development. They hit the basics and when it comes to some of these characters, the basis just the basics just wasn't enough. We aren't privy to Abby's motivations outside the obvious to survive. Uh, I guess you can say vengeance and or justice by the end. And you know that because she says it in yes. the most cliche of ways <laughs> yes. and then fade out. Roll credits. Roll credits. It, it was a very cringe scene. Uh, some of this might also have to do with either the directing or Catherine McNamara's acting. There's not enough there to fully understand what she's thinking or motivated by, but I never quite feel the urgency or intensity that typically comes with the need for vengeance. In fact, there are moments when she had survived, obviously the, the, the potential murder And she uh, eventually gets to the town of independence and she's almost being playful with Hoyt. Yes. You just lost your husband and you're playing grab ass (laughs) with another dude. With another dude. And I I kept thinking to myself, well, maybe they're trying to say, you know, this is the old West and, you know, everyone was just. fuck them that people die. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone was like, hey, let's free, you know, whatever you do in the old West, it's the wild West. 
So I didn't misinterpret that. Like there, when she enters town and Hoy starts, you know, flirting with her, she was smiling and yes. and, and flirting back, right? Oh yeah. Okay. And I was like going, wait a minute. How much time has passed since basically your husband just died? And maybe several months had passed by, which, okay, some people, the grieving process is shortened. That's my point. If a lot of time had passed, then they probably should have established that because to us, it felt like maybe, maybe a week. Yeah. And and that that's the thing is kind of like, yes, you start us off with right away, this is the... This is the myth arc right here, the death of her husband. And then she ends up getting saved by, I believe it was like the the Indian tribe mm-hmm. that finds her and then heals her. And I'm sure that that probably took time because she was obviously dying, but they never really established how much time it took for her to heal. Because when you get when she gets to independence, it's almost like just like what you said, maybe a couple of days just passed. That just seems really strange to be all of a sudden, you know, like coming off of a, a a giant tragedy, which is what you're trying to establish for your main character. That is her motivation. Her motivation is to solve the murder and avenge her husband. Well, we think. <laughs> yes. We think that's what it is. We think it we think yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. And like I'm like when there's certain points when you get the characterizations of especially Abby, I'm like going, it's like a inconsistent roller coaster where it goes up, goes down, goes up again, goes down. And I think, I think you're onto something. Just move right into your initial thoughts too. Cause I want to hear your initial thoughts. My initial thoughts. Oh dude. When you first brought this up to me, I was very hesitant. I was like, man, is this really what we're going to cover? Because number one, it's a CW show. Number two, it's Walker. <laughs> yeah. And yes, I do. I have watched the series. So well, hold on one second. Just interrupt and I won't do it again. Okay. The only reason why I chose to cover this, because I you make some valid points there. <laughs> the, the biggest reason is because it's the first network television Western in, I want to say decades. Yes, it is. I don't what, Lonesome Dove and Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman probably the last ones. Think about that. Yeah. The major network television. Those were the last ones we ever see a Western series like this. So I understood after I took a step back and he said, okay, but you know, it's that prevailing element that basically it's a CW show and we know what yeah. the, and most of the Arrowverse actors made appearances in this. I mean, Abby is played by the one. Uh, Abby is played by one of the main actors in, from Arrowverse. It's the Vancouver Fishbowl or yes. Fishbowl, and like where, where where most of the CW shows are produced and shot. Produced and shot. Yeah. So like, I had zero hesitation about this. But afterwards, you know what? I was like, going, hey, for a pilot, wasn't bad. I thought they established well enough. It's not groundbreaking material, right? This isn't groundbreaking material, but. Yeah. Just like what you alluded to in the very beginning, I appreciate the fact that they did not waste time to set up their myth arc. Yeah. Because number one, your audience is going, probably going into the series blind. So they don't, there's nothing to really hook them on outside of, you know, outside of, you know, like the, 
normal things that an Arrowverse fan or a CW fan would be privy to. Yeah. You want to bring in people, mass audiences outside of that. Well, that's so, a good thing about this type of show, right? Because yes, it's a Western. It's a Western. And the way they establish it right away. It gets it, the ball rolling. They get the ball rolling. And it, it gets people into the story immediately. And yeah, there's not, there the characterization, there's not heavy into it, but the pilot f- did its job by establishing its ensemble cast of characters quick, quick. Let's get them in there. Hey, here's this character. Here's this character. Here's this character. Here's this character. That is basically what I feel a pilot should do. If you're dealing with a project that is literally a blank check, there's no, there's no big star to carry it. There really isn't. And you're dealing with a franchise that basically maybe about like 30% of the mass audience know about, which is Walker. Yeah. I mean, and in all honesty, when people think Walker, Texas Ranger, they're thinking more of the Chuck Norris than the CW Walker. Yeah, this isn't that. And <laughs> this isn't that. And listen, Walker, Texas Ranger had its own problems, and it's mostly just because it's, what, 80s, 90s? 80s, 90s schlock. Yeah, but at the time, it was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so, okay, Dave, so you are overly, or not overly, you are Hesitant. overall somewhat... Okay with the pilot. I'm okay with the pilot. Yeah. I am. Okay. And that same thing here. I mean, as I said, the pilot was adequate in the sense that it functioned as the initial stage for a series, which served as simply the foundation for the beginning of the series. Mm-hmm. From a technical point of view, the writing did exactly what it needed it for needs a to. television pilot. So there's no complaints when it comes to the formatting of a television Pilot. The, the academic side. The academic side. It was done just fine. And that's exactly how, how you should write a pilot. Introduce characters, protagonists, antagonists, what's at stake, and the gimmick or hook, which is that person that killed Abby's husband. Yep. Um, he had the assumed role of the sheriff by the end, you find out. Mm-hmm. And this is why Abby decides to stay in town and seek revenge and or justice. So that is is how a pilot should function. Yes. And it does just that. And if you think about it, that's that's how you should approach a pilot. And that's why I took a step back and said, okay, I'm going to throw away every my all my misconceptions of the production company, the story behind. Let's just take a look and see if the pilot does what it needs to do as a pilot. Yeah. And David, because this is a Western-themed podcast, we're obviously going to review this on more than just simply the technical achievements and what it did as a pilot, but also it's Western attributes. Yes. And there is the notion of revenge and or justice. And the reason why I keep saying that is because I believe that's essentially what Abby said at the end when she's telling her co-star Hoyt, the other main character, you asked me why I'm staying in town. Is it for vengeance? She's all, maybe it's for justice. <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're not quite sure yet where she's going to fall. And I do yeah. like that ambiguity there. Is it going to be cold-blooded vengeance, vengeance? Or is she going to be actually on the side of justice, justice and law and order? Is she going to do things the right way or is she going to go vigilante? So I did like that. I, I have no problem with that ambiguity. I just don't like how they Delivered overtly it. state it. Yeah, and, and, and that goes to like what you were saying about like <clears> – <throat> 
excuse me, that goes back to like what you were saying. It's part of the execution and part of the execution yeah. is then you have to take a look at the acting and the directing and how they set right. it up even yeah. down to the shot selection. Yeah. And that's where it kind of falters because like, if you think about it, if they had a stellar name or a stellar actor behind the portrayal of Abby, I think you would have gotten a stronger performance and not as much of like a stock. I don't want to say stale, but like delivery that unfortunately uh, uh, you get from uh, the actor who plays Abby. Yeah, I would agree. And, and I'm not sure how much of that is the actor or if it's the directing or maybe the writing itself, because as we said, yes, it functions well as a pilot. But the question moving forward for the rest of our discussion is, does it function as a Western? Mm -hmm. Now, we had touched on briefly the revenge and or justice aspect. Now, that works just fine. Justice, as well as its variant revenge, are two very common elements of the Western genre. Um, Abby Walker being an outsider or a stranger coming into town that is either lawless or being run by an unsavory fellow is a common trope. And that works as well as a Western. So those are two checks there. Yes. So to a degree, the pilot functions as a Western, but I say to a degree, to a degree, you do have your typical character types, the frontiers woman, the gunslinger slash drinker, or as they call them, the rogue, which isn't really a proper term for a Western, but okay. Uh, Native American and a Chinese gentleman. Yes. All fairly common archetypes in a Western. In a Western. But to me, this doesn't necessarily make a Western a Western. Yes. To the layman, they may think simply because a specific series or film set in the late 1800s, that by setting alone, it makes it a Western. But that's not necessarily true. Mm -hmm. What really makes it a Western is typically within the subtext and the thematic elements that's the most important part the thematic elements that's why you can have a show like breaking bad or longmire that are contemporary pieces westerns but they're westerns yes because they're borrowing western themes and there's a lot within the subtext that can be derived as well mm -hmm. so that's how we're looking at this because that's what really makes a western and also the ways you strengthen these abstract notions like subtext, like theme through metaphor. That's also another important part in a Western. And that is why I struggled a bit with the pilot. That is the part. Yes. I wasn't quite able to derive and please fill me in. If you saw something there, Dave, I wasn't quite <laughs> able to derive any thematic meaning that informs the genre. No, I a hundred percent agree with you because like, my main issue with independence was the fact that it's a Western in a superficial sense, in, meaning in that setting and in setting and everything else, they just did the bare bones minimum to try to make this look like a Western. And they gave it a pair of boots and, boots a, hat. and a hat, right? Because yeah. they leaned heavily into the stereotypes of Westerns. And that's what I, that's how I separate, you know, what a true Western is like what you're breaking down the thematic elements, the more, the, the, the metaphors, the metaphors that are prevalent in, in all Westerns. 
And then just, I mean, John Ford Westerns, let's talk, let's point at some of the most well-known Westerns in film history. John Ford isn't my favorite Western director. Sergio Leone is, but yes. just, let's just keep it to the American Westerns because Walker Independence is that. John Ford, every frame is a metaphor. Almost. It's a metaphor. Yeah. And like, especially when we got introduced to the Native American culture, in, in Walker independence, it was just treated pretty superficially. And yeah. like, I kind of, I kind of had a cringe worthy moment when they basically came up with her name. The, she is the one that walks in the tall grass yeah, and then she was, gets Walker from it. That's a real, that's a, that is similar to say like, that's such a, they're trying to do some dances the with wolves dances bullshit. With wolves. It's very similar, Mike. It's derivative. As it's fuck. derivative. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> It's like we've talked about this before in another show of ours that we talk about the Western elements that is outside of normal Westerns is Mandalorian. When me and you talk about Star Wars, right? Right. What was the thing that irritated the most? Oh, it's a Western because he can control animals. Right. He'll put his hand out and say, oh, oh see the way there. he's riding that Bantha? Yes. He's trying to break that Bantha like a horse. horse. <laughs> it was so fucking obvious. We, it was so we obvious. get it. We get the metaphor. You don't got to <laughs> drill it into our brains. And, and that's what they did at the very beginning. For me, with the Native Americans, with Walker Independence, it was like, so... They yeah. come and save her. Cool. Let's let's do a story about that. Ah, uh, no. Let's let's just keep it as the way we shall name her. Walk in the tall grass. Yeah, I feel like that is one of the most cliche things in a western is when the Native American peoples gives a name to a person based on the most simplistic, simplistic thing, childish ways. Like, Oh, look at, there's a leaf there and you just walk past the leaf. Oh, you must be called one that walks past <laughs> leaf. the leaf or, or even like, I oh, wish that you farted in your sleep. You are now going to be called the one who passes wind at night, wind at night, or, or even like, <laughs> even the, with the continuation of the, the dealing of the native American character, when she gets to the town and she basically, they go about saying, Oh, he's not welcome here because because they might look at me as an outsider. Really? And, uh, it's you like, think? <laughs> you think? Okay. Yeah. It, can we dive a little bit more into that? It's an interesting concept. Well, that's really where, that's another thing that, that doesn't work for me when it comes as pilot is it feels like they're shrugging away. They're shrugging away from the social commentary aspects of the Western when this is the CW folks like this is what you guys do best not social commentary <laughs> but you do some type of identity politics this is this is what the CW is known, known for at this for. point and now in the very show that you should be utilizing some of that skill set you actually shy away from you it. shied away from it and yeah, it, it's it, it's kind of strange and I'm hoping this is just a pilot and, and I am hoping they get a little more mature in their dissection of race I mean you're dealing in the with the late 1800s in the old west oh yeah it, it just seems weird that that uh that nothing was really mentioned and then well a little bit i mean abby walker for some reason didn't understand what was it like she didn't understand some of the race racism stuff. like because because she comes from boston I'm like guess what you should especially coming from boston <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like anyway, because she comes from a cultured area. Yeah, in, we're so high-minded here. Listen, there were no high-minded people. It it's the way of the it was the class hierarchy of the time. Yeah. How do you how do you you not understand it? 
And if they made that into a story, that part of it, then I think it would have made it actually more in- interesting for the character. Yeah. You know, she's she's a fish out of water. She's coming from the east. She's coming into new territory. Which also, the whole idea of coming from the east and... It just, it seems strange that they don't use that more yeah. because a lot of Westerns use the, the, the Eastern side of the country as a means of contention. And that's why people are fleeing the East and their European yes. ideals for the freedom of the West. And the fact that she is this type of minded individual coming from the very place that most Westerns have their heroes flee to find that true individualistic freedom of the West, they don't even utilize. And that's why I say that people writing this did a fine job with the pilot, I would say, but do they actually understand what what makes a Western Especially since, you know, the idea of manifest destiny is yep. constantly in a Western. It will always be in a Western. The idea of manifest destiny. It's one of the bigger elements. And yeah. it's, it was almost like I, I was telling myself I could see them kind of tipping their toe in the water about it, but pulling back. Maybe it was because just like we said, runtime and... We have we we have to stay safe. They have to choose their battles when you're yeah. dealing with a pilot on network television. So I get that, and that's why I am going to give. And I'll talk about this more in my final thoughts. I feel like to get a, a better idea of the series, I feel like I need to watch another two or three episodes because just this very much just feels like a beginning. So I'm hoping the show evens out a bit, but we'll get into that more in a moment. But just so that people have a little bit more context of what we're talking about when it comes to what makes a Western a Western, according to most film critics and historians, the Western genre as a tradition in film and literature is based on a series of related oppositions, meaning you have civilization and savagery, you have culture and nature, you have East and West, you have settlement and wilderness. And also, I'd add the emphasis on the democracy of the West and the frontier as a place of communal decision-making that frequently stands in opposition to the European ideals of the Eastern states. The list goes on and on with variations pertaining to the closing of the frontier, which is a metaphor for modernity and industrial progress and the freedom aspect that with open spaces, which solidifies one's individualism. So when we talk about themes that make up a Western, these are just a fraction of what makes a Western. But now people can can understand what we're talking about. And when you dissect the the pilot, I don't feel like any of that is there. Mm -hmm. And as you said a moment ago, dealing with running time, perhaps they had to, as I said, pick their battles, right? Yes. But that doesn't... It doesn't take a lot of effort to build a theme. In a lot of ways, if you know what you're writing, the theme just happens. You don't just overthink the theme and like, well, how am I going to make sure people understand the theme? (laughs) I don't understand how to do that. If you know your story, it automatically is there. It'll happen. In fact, what do we always say, Dave, when we review things? When I say, tell me what the story is about, don't read me the synopsis or the plot, because that's not typically what the story's about. 
The story is about a lot, many times when you want to derive meaning of what a story is about, it's the unsaid. Yes. And if you know how to frame the unsaid, the theme is just going to find its way to the find top. Find its way to the top. Yeah. And, and that is the one thing that I feel is a problem, not just, and one of the main problems that Walker Independence has to get past because just by their track record, if you look at CW's writing, all the writing that's been done, you know, just recently, especially with their CW uh, CW shows like Star Girl, Star is, Girl is the only show. Star Girl's the only one that actually works. It's the only show on the CW currently that's written expertly. Yeah, that's written with some semblance of writing knowledge, true writing, true knowledge. writing knowledge, yes. and like. When you get, unfortunately, to the other library in CW, you don't see that. It's treated very superficially because they they don't want to make their viewing for their audience difficult. Well, they tend to create content for a younger demo and not because the younger demo is any less intelligent, but... The younger demo tend to have different types of taste. Yes. And they more or less like things that are a little more superficial, things that are easily digestible. And that's why we get some of the superficial content on the CW. But mm -hmm. listen, there's plenty of superficial content out there that's done well, there right is. as well. Yeah. So that's not even a justification. I just think the CW has a lot of subpar producers and writers currently. Yes. And that's the thing that Walker Independence has to get past. And yep. honestly, and Anna Frick, the the showrunner, she she's a decent, she's woman. a good writer. She's she good actually writer. worked uh, with one of my favorite writers. I believe she worked on. She worked with Jeremy Carver. Yes, she was the co showrunner of Being Human, I believe, which was a which was a very well written show. Mm -hmm. It ran from 2011 and 2014. So the person that they got behind the behind decision making for for Walker is competent. She can pull Absolutely. out something. She can do something that's that she can pull stuff out. The problem that I'm worried about is like, are they going to sway into let's keep it safe, or are we going to actually do something? substantial with the series like are we going to tackle a narrative that has actually meant something yeah and has substance behind it because she, she can do it i mean okay so she wrote she started with dawson's creek which we make a lot of jokes about that but that actually isn't a horrible show it's not a horrible show i'm losing my voice hold on one second well, also in my thoughts of dawson's creek a lot of people crap on that show but when you actually take a step back and actually look at how that show lasted for a reason. It's a pop culture icon for a reason. It's not for my cup of tea, but it doesn't mean it doesn't have any type of, you know, artistic merits. I mean, like when you take a look at it, especially their fan base, they were able to find hooks for the audience. And that's honestly what a show should focus on first is like, okay, I'm going to try to hook the audience. And then let my story, just like we said, let the themes flow. Don't force anything. Just let them, let it roll. Yeah. And I think that's where 
shows like back in those in the nineties, like Dawson's Creek. And I'm trying to think of the other one that came after that. It was like during the 90210 um, era of television where they basically Melrose place Melrose place. <laughs> that, that was and like, I'm going to, I'm going to delete that part. I didn't know. I don't know that answer. <laughs> no, no, no. That is part of, that is part of television history. Mike, we have to embrace that. <laughs> and, I actually and, watched Melrose place. <laughs> you'd be both. I mean, but that was the thing is like television like that. It was made to hook you and somehow the writers made it work. And that's why I feel like this pilot is Functional. It functional. works. It's not. It's not a broken show. No, at all. I don't think I, so. It might be a broken western, but it's not a broken show. Anna it Frank does table. know how to write. It sets the table properly. Yeah, and that's why I'm curious about the series. But it did leave me wanting and slightly unsatisfied. And perhaps after two or three more episodes, some of those aspects will find its way within the narrative. Some of the things that are missing. David, you had mentioned prior to recording that you had, uh, that you have watched more episodes since its premiere. Yes, and I have. Clue me in. Does it straighten out a bit or? Um, it doesn't? Not quite. I mean, we're, we're at the time of this recording. There's three episodes. There's three right? episodes. Yeah. And I've watched all three episodes, the pilot two and three. And to me, it's a little meandering for the, for the next two episodes. Like, really? I, I do think, I think, but I also took a step back and say, how much is this the problem with the writing? But it's also a problem with the acting. I think the acting is not that good. And it does take away from story elements that could easily, easily be done seriously. But, it's just comes down to the performances that basically just make me like cringe. See, that's interesting that you say that because out of all the problems that it may sound like I have with this, the acting is the biggest problem. Oh, easily, easily. Even in attitude. the pilot. I mean, the, I could tolerate Matt Barr as the gunslinger a rogue as they call him. Yeah. Hoyt. Hoyt. He's okay. There's, I feel like he could grow into the character, but Catherine McMara, there's the problem. lead. She is the biggest problem. And the and thing, it, the thing that's frustrating to me, especially after, because I watched two the the next two episodes, I think she's still growing into the character. But when you're the lead character of a series, I always feel the ensemble around you should not outshine you especially in television, because how can I take the main character, especially since she is the name lead name Walker, she's Abby Walker, but I th honestly feel that she's being outshined by her side, which it, she, it, he is the sidekick is Hoyt and her villain, which is Davidson. Okay. What about the, the saloon girl? I thought she was good. I think she was the strongest actor so far. Katie Finlay, I believe, and she played Kate Carver. Yeah, and she she does. Okay. The, the best the best thing by far is like I think that the scenes, especially in the later episodes, when she is paired up, and I'm talking about Abby, when Abby is paired up with Kate, I think that helps her out. Okay. Because I felt like everything Kate did in the pilot was great. But there wasn't much. There wasn't much, there but wasn't she much. felt the most natural. 
Like yeah. it felt organic. Matt Barr as Hoy and Catherine McNara, McNamara, Jesus, I'm gonna get her name right eventually, as Abby Walker. It didn't feel like they understood the character yet. It felt yeah. like they were trying to play the Western archetypes they were. Yes. And not just being themselves and finding it naturally. But I think and that's... I know that's not the proper way of saying something about an actor. Oh, you have to play themselves. But what I meant by that is just being natural and allowing the role to find you. Yes. And that's that's the biggest thing, I think, for Walker Independence right now is like we're seeing majority of the cast is trying to find their groove with their character. And I think, especially in the pilot, I think the highlights has to be Kate. Uh, I wish I knew the, I remember the actor's actor's name, the uh, actress name that plays Kate. It's Katie Finlay. Katie Finlay. Yeah. She, she's gets her character easier than anybody in the other cast. And honestly, even though the actor who plays Davidson, his motivation is pretty much cut and dry as a villain, he gets it. He understands what that character is. He's a schemer. And the question becomes is like putting him, putting him as the foil to Abby, where Abby has to try to outsmart him, gets a little cringeworthy, especially I think in episode three. But in, in the pilot one, they established that he is, the way that he established him, I thought worked. And this is Abby's, this is Abby's mountain to climb. And they established it well enough where it's like he is a significant threat to Abby. And I thought he, his portrayal was a bit, was probably, I would say second best. The problem I have with Hoyt is like <laughs> Hoyt was like that stereotypical. I think that this is what all fans of like mass audiences. They think that this is the atypical hero of a Western. The rogue who basically comes in and is just dashing and he could do any, he could do anything wrong, but he'll get away with it. Yeah, he smiles. He, he smiles wins all the wins. women. He drinks. He's yeah. good with the gun. Yeah. I, they felt like, like I said, they, they're not archetypes. They're more stock. Stock. And I'm not even bringing up Kai. <laughs> Which one's Kai? Kai's the one, the Asian that basically owns a laundry mat. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get mean spirited, but yes, you're you're the acting is not is not it's top not, notch. It's not top notch. Unfortunately. And Catherine McNamara isn't I've had these problems with her in the past. I didn't even know she was cast in this until I watched it. I was like, oh, it's her. And the only reason why I recognized her was through her bad acting. She <laughs> is an arrow. Yes, that's where I played um, the Green Arrow's daughter in the yes. later seasons. And every time she was in a scene, I, I wanted to shut the TV off. It, yeah. It's all forced. It, there's nothing natural about her performance. Now, I will say her performance in the pilot here was far better than anything I've seen to date. So maybe she's growing as an actor and perhaps she will grow into this role as well. Yeah, that's what and that's what I'm kind of telling myself as I'm watching Walker Independence up to this point is like, I want to see if these actors can grow into these characters and make their characters interesting and hopefully 
the writing, even though the writing is very is a little superficial, yeah. they can pull something out of it. Well, because if hope. they pull something out of it, I think that's a win for the series. Yeah, well, let's hope because the critical response has been positive for the yes. most part. If you look at Rotten Tomatoes, which is the go-to, right, for all these ratings nowadays, uh, it's sitting at an average approval rating of 71% and an audience score, I want to say, of 85%, which I don't necessarily want to agree with that. And not because it's 85% necessarily, but because Jared Padalecki has a huge fan base and he's one of the main producers. And I feel like a lot of people are just blowing the show who are fans of him. Yeah. Um, And in fact, if you read the reviews, a lot of them feel a lot like that when you read through them. And, And the thing that, that I was worried about is a lot of fans are following the show because, Hey, it's cool. If you want to actually support Jared, that's fine. Support him all the time. But like when I hear people say, oh, yeah, Jared Palacki is producing it. So he has creative control in this series. He doesn't know how to write. He doesn't. He's he not, has he's zero. Not writer. He's, he's not, he's not, he's he's not, not running producer. anything. No. He's just producing. That's it. He's counting the ducats. He's counting, he's the, ducats. counting the cash. That's it. And and if you're expecting, oh, we're going to be seeing like Jared actually show running. No, 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 no. That's not his thing. That's not his thing. It's cool that he's producing it and hey, support him. Go ahead. I, I have no qualms giving it, yeah, absolutely. Giving it a shot. That's what fans do. They should. They should. But that's what that's when I tell myself when I look at scores like that, I like go, mm, it's a slightly skewed because you can usually tell because of like, okay, is this a fan scoring yeah. or is this an actual critical response? Yep. Now I will say critically when I take a bit, look back at this, it deserves a good critical score. Go ahead it's and not just like, move into your final thoughts and give me your score with with whatever with whatever you're saying. Uh, well, my score was like a seventy percent because I didn't I didn't think it failed. If I put it in the sixties, like sixty eight or sixty nine, I feel that's like a failing grade. Like it it it's a bad show. But if you put it in the seventies and the low and where I would put it is about the seventy percent mark. Because as a pilot, it does its job. Yep. It sets the table. It tries to establish some things that are Western, but I'm willing to say that basically because of their runtime, you can't just dive into it, especially since you just introduced a huge ensemble cast, in my opinion, for a show. I mean, you got Hoyt, Abby, Davidson, who's the villain, Kate, Kai. There's five characters that you have to establish in 40 minutes of runtime. Yeah. And that's, that's a lot. Yeah, it really is. So that's why I gave it a shot and basically said, I'm going to just keep watching it, see where it goes. And up to this point, I would agree with like critical people saying that it is a 70% show. Okay. So I'm right there with you. 70%. I was going back and forth between a 68 and a 70 it's it is definitely not in the 60s yeah because it doesn't be fair and i'm trying to remove some of my western fan and my own fan wants out of there and i think Mm -hmm. we did a pretty good job just sticking to the facts of the genre and what should be there when you're writing within the said western genre um and if they had attached some appropriate themes that should be there 
taking that into account with this being a functional pilot, I probably would have given it a 78, 79%, but it's missing a lot of those aspects, yeah. which belong in a Western. Um, a lot of it feels slightly derivative at times. It lacks its own authentic voice and mm -hmm. overall feels like a paint by numbers network television show. Uh, there were some written lines that we've heard a thousand times on countless other characters. Especially that last one. I, I mean, there was even a line where Hoyt said, and then there was three. Okay. <laughs> I just remembered that one. I, I, I rolled my eyes because <laughs> how many times have we heard someone say that? It's it's just, it's it's like the writer was writing the episode. He's like, oh, I got to give him something to say. No. And then there was three. And you could have just kept him silent. He didn't need to say anything in that scene. Yeah. Uh, none of the characters were very interesting outside of their stock status. Um, Mark Shepard's character at the end was intriguing. That was. And yeah. Mark Shepard is an amazing talent. His skill level is no doubt going to bring up the acting chops across the board. Any scene you throw him in, he's going to improve the scene and help the other actors shine as well. Well, that's what I was surprised good. with. That's why I was surprised with is like, you have this young cast. Why didn't you bring Mark in to kind of be kind of like that pseudo main actor? He should have been to go with Abby. When he was cast, David, I thought he was going to be like the elsewhere engine of the show. Like he was going to be uh, yeah. not good, but he was also going to be part of the town, the gray area of the town. You know, what, what lies between revenge and justice, Yeah, you know, or criminal and law. I thought that's what he would play. He would play and maybe he ends up doing that. I don't know because I've only watched the pilot, but the fact that you only use him at the end, in fact, was it the end they used him in or was it just the trailer for the next episode? They used him in. I don't remember. I now. can't remember. I think it was, I think it was the very end. Okay. Uh, yeah. Mark Shepard's great. He yeah. is really, really good. And the reason why he's doing this show is simply as a favor. I'm sure to Jared. <laughs> to Jared. Well, I, something doesn't, something, something this isn't tells his, me this that. This isn't really the type of show he does. Yeah. And he, I mean, he's a Battlestar Galactica guy. He's a Warehouse 13 guy. He's an X-Files guy. I mean, I can go on and on with the things that he's done, like big pop culture shows. Of course, Supernatural. Yes. I mean, just so good in that. But so. that's why I was like saying is like when you bring in Mark, it's kind of like, shouldn't he have been like that, that person that is the anchor for the cast. He should have been. He should be the anchor for the cast. But And maybe they didn't know they were getting him because I know his name was announced really late. I want to say they announced his involvement two weeks, maybe three weeks before the premiere, yeah. if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. so. Because it was supposed to be a surprise. Well, he's one of the biggest draws for me. I was on the fence about this, and when I saw that he was cast, I was like, okay, I'm going to give this pilot a shot. Well, especially since, you know, Mark Shepard, to me, Mark Shepard in a Western just sounds good. Yeah. That just sounds good. <laughs> I know. It does, right? <laughs> and and, that's and he doesn't play, and, and David, he doesn't play a stock character, which is interesting. Yes. That he plays a role in a Western that you don't always see. And that's what I love. I love when you pick the, the characters like a baker or an, a blacksmith. Like those people existed too, too. in the West. Let's yeah. explore those characters. And it's always like the frontiers woman. 
it's not always, but I'm talking about like in, in these generic Westerns, it's like, it's the go-to. Oh, gunfighter, frontiers woman, saloon girl, Indian and Chinaman. Yes. And I say Chinaman on purpose. So simmer down there, people. Hey, hey, that is a, that is a Western stereotype. That's why I say it. Yeah. I don't go around in real life saying, look at that there Chinaman over there. (laughs) You're not John Wayne. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. So this does bring us to the end of our discussion. I hope everyone enjoyed our discussion and no one got mad. If you're an avid Walker fan, the show was enjoyable. The show is enjoyable for right now. It's, it's a good piece of sheer escapism. Uh, but I just don't know if it's a good Western. Western. That is the thing. That's the thing. I want to thank everyone. Thank you, David. Thank you. Or said he be taken from such prison to a suitable and convenient place of execution within said county and there be hanged by the neck till he be dead, dead, dead. Now, do you have anything to say, young man? Yes, Your Honor, I do. <clears throat> You can go to hell, hell, hell.